Bet365 sponsors the Red Agenda and they feature over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you need to bet on sport. The new season's begun and Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. With the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more and create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch the games live with Bet365's Match Live feature. You can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365, it's the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only. Please gamble responsibly. Jordan, you're a great professional. Well, tell me you're going to get absolutely rotten tonight, like me. <laughs> Possibly. Oh, Come on, John, go for it, lad. Enjoy yourself. Cheers, hey! Carol. So this is the Red Agenda. I'm Steve Hothersall. Uh, a repeat of last season in the Community Shield. Liverpool are denied on a penalty shootout, but will the rest of the season be a repeat? We certainly hope so. And to talk through that in some detail, uh, we have Simon Hughes, as always. Hi, sight. Hello, Stephen. Uh, and back off his summer break and hopefully in full fitness, uh, James Pierce. How are you, James? Good, thanks, Steve. You okay? Yeah, you, you took a bit of time with it as the footballers were having their rest as well, um, gearing up for what will be a hectic season. It's, it seems like an odd period, doesn't it, James? Yeah, 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 it has been actually. I was, uh, yeah, I, I managed to avoid Mykonos. I, uh, I went for Poland instead for my uh, for my little getaway. But um, yeah, I think everything is just so condensed this time around, isn't it? With um, you know such a short break between the two seasons, such a short pre-season, and then. Before we know it, the uh, the Premier League's back underway again. Well, let's start with uh, a look at the Wembley showpiece, the Community Shield. Um, Simon, when it when it came along, it felt like it was awfully quick. It was here after what two preseason friendlies. So how much could we actually read into it? Do you think? Yeah, I think you could tell really. I mean, it, the way parallel to last season, as you say, in terms of the the results, the penalty shootouts, I suppose that the flow of the game as well. I remember last season against City, Liverpool were bit subdued the first half and came to life as, as the game sort of went on and obviously got the equaliser. Um, it felt like Liverpool weren't quite ready, to be honest. I mean, it, you know, this Liverpool team, the success of the team is built on rhythm, fitness, you know, and, and endurance. And they didn't seem quite there, I, I felt, although it was encouraging that they, they sort of seemed to get stronger as the game went on and a bit more comfortable on the ball. Um yeah, I mean, I, I've got to be honest, I'm not quite ready for the football yet myself after the sort of the, the, the hurly-burly of June and July. Um, and I, I, the players didn't look quite ready, but similar conversations we had last year in many ways. You know, Liverpool made a... I know they, they, they battered Norwich in the first game, but there were sort of elements of the performance in that game which which you wouldn't have seen several weeks later. Where I think Norwich had quite a, a, quite a few chances in the game, and and then obviously there was the European Super Cup win against Chelsea, uh, where Liverpool again played in patches. And I think when you see teams playing in patches, it's just a sign that they're still sort of getting up to speed. And that that was definitely the case against Arsenal. Similar again to the to the friendly match against Red Bull Salzburg. You know, they they, they, they were sort of made a slow start 
start and then got a foothold and got slightly better as the game went on. Um, so I think that, that that's going to be the way for Liverpool and probably for a lot of teams really because everybody's in the same boat at the moment. Not not a full pre-season, not, not the full sort of training schedule hit that you'd normally have. It's going to be really fascinating, I think, to see if any teams can come out firing or, or, or whether they're going to sort of, you know, be a bit all a bit like Liverpool were on Saturday because um, I, I thought I thought Arsenal looked look lively and, and, and confident, but you know there's parts of their game that was similar. I'd say the, the tactics employed by Arsenal, James, perhaps a, a sign of what's to come yet again this season. Opposition sitting very deep. Yeah, it was it was almost a carbon copy, wasn't it, of the game um, at, at the Emirates towards the back end of last season, where um, you know Arsenal you know, just just. Going everyone behind the board, didn't they? You know, I think you've got to give Arteta credit for just how well organised they were defensively, um, and Liverpool struggled to break them down. And then Arsenal just relied very heavily on on hitting them on the on the counter attack. I was I was down at Wembley, and I think it was probably I think it probably it was one of those ones that probably hit me more than any of the games towards the back end of last season. Just the absence of fans because I was sat there, and Wembley had done nothing to kind of dress up the stadium it was just you could just see 90,000 empty seats and you were sat there thinking why on earth is this game even taking place at Wembley I, I, I still don't understand why it why it was there but it was it was a very flat game I think you know it you know, it's the, the reality is the community shield is nice to win it but it is you know it's, it is a glorified friendly you know despite what you know some other managers have, have clung to it as part of a, a treble or quadruple in in previous years and um, yeah, I, I was a bit surprised with the team that Klopp went with, to be honest, because I thought I thought in the knowledge that Arsenal were going to sit deep, um, I was surprised that Naby Keita didn't start because I, th- I think a midfield of, of Milner and Alden Fabino was always going to be workmanlike rather than really creative. Um, and yeah, it wasn't a massive surprise that it it took the introduction of Keita and Minamino to to really bring Liverpool to life. Yeah, the, the first half was tough, Si, in terms of what Liverpool put out there. The front three weren't getting much joy, were they? Where were those frustrations coming from, do you think? Mm, well, I mean, James touched on it there. I think so the midfield's crucial to everything that Liverpool do, you know, for whether it's, you know, the, the sort of the endurance and, and legwork that they put in, uh, you know, sort of plugging the gaps against better teams, or and I, I just sort of felt. I mean, there's a there's a growing sort of feeling amongst the Liverpool fan base that, that that midfield tree doesn't always quite work. You know, with Milner, Wijnaldum, and Fabinho, but you know, there, there were a few reoccurring themes that Liverpool have had over a number of years. But you'd, you'd sort of you'd, you'd back Klopp to to figure it out when it when it matters. I think um, I do think we discussed it a million times on the pods about. Case, I mean, I just think, you know, he, 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 with this situation that Liverpool have, you know, in terms of creativity and trying to break teams down who, who have, you know, a low block and, 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 and you know, increasingly are going to find probably a bit easy. Spoken about this last week, you know, in, inside stadiums where there isn't going to be the demand from fans to go and, you know, push Liverpool and try and get them on the back foot and excite the crowd. It's going to be easier for teams to do that. So, I do feel that Liverpool are probably going to need a little bit more invention in in the middle of the park uh, in certain moments over the first couple of months of the season, especially. So, yeah, that that was the area for me. It just didn't seem to 
didn't seem to have that sort of creative um, thread in the team. Particularly, you know, let's not forget Trent didn't play, did he? When he doesn't play, it, it doesn't look quite the same team because he is he's he's a world he's a world class player now. And when you when you don't have world class players and you, you, your most creative players playing, you're gonna you're gonna struggle a bit more. Yeah, you desperately miss them, don't you? I think it was really obvious that, that Trent and, and Jordan Henderson weren't out there. Two key components to the, the title-winning side, James. Oh, yeah, 100%. I think especially with... We, we know how important the full-backs are to the way that um, that, that Liverpool operate, uh, you, know, you know, especially what Trent gives the team going forward. And, yeah, that he was a he was certainly a massive miss. And, yeah, you're right. You know, you're talking about the... Footballer, football writers, footballer of the year, absent from the the heart of the midfield as well. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, in, predictably there was a bit of a knee jerk reaction to to the performance and the defeat on on social media. But something got short memories because I remember watching Liverpool get hammered three 0 by by Napoli at, at Murrayfield the week after they went and lost to Man City on penalties in the Community Shield, and you know that season didn't turn out too bad. So. Um, and I, and I just think that the, the preparation for a game like like that is so different than the way that Klopp prepares his players for you know a competitive game during the season because you know they've you know, with with the shortened preseason and this ridiculous situation this week where we've got international fixtures you know Klopp has had to cram you know a, a, a lot of work into that that training camp in Austria. So um, you know when so when you know it's not a massive surprise that, that fatigue was an issue and you know people will say you know the front three aren't firing and you know Salah certainly hasn't you know been anywhere near the player we know he is in the friendly matches so far but you know I, I wouldn't read too much into that because um, everything Klopp is doing at the moment is geared towards them than peaking when it really matters in that Premier League opener. Right, right. you both mentioned Trent, and of course it is a miss when he's not playing. Nico Williams uh, was the man chosen. He found the occasion tough, and he's received a little bit of unfair criticism, I think. He obviously does possess a lot of quality. Um, just think back to when he got his first Premier League start against Brighton, and he massively impressed everyone, didn't he? But when, you, when you're young, you do have... Those sticky games at times, Sai. Yeah, I mean, de- definitely. I mean, any any Liverpool player who's come up through the system will will tell you about those agonising experiences. I remember, you know, Steven Gerrard in one of his earliest games against Tottenham, coming up against David Ginola, who I think he was either player of the year that year or he'd just been named player of the year. And Gerrard got absolutely destroyed that day at White Hart Lane. Um, and, you know, he, he, Williams was up against... Obama Yang, who at this moment in time is on fire, isn't he? You know, he's he's sort of drifting in off the left and seems like every time he shoots, he scores. So, I mean, I think that was where the, the criticism came, you know, that he, he didn't close close him down quickly enough, which yeah, he probably didn't. But I, I just think that, you know, there are reasons why he didn't as well. You know, the, the, I don't think the cover that he was getting, uh, the help that he was getting from that side of the pitch was, was, um, was good enough, really. So... I mean, you could you could look at that goal again. I'm sure that the manager will be looking at the goal and 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 sort of pointing out where other people could have been helping him out. I mean, he's clearly got a lot of ability, Nico Williams, and I think he's played very very well in in, in most nearly all the games that he's played. And he had a difficult half against Chelsea in the in the um, in the FA Cup, and then I felt sort of got stronger, at, you know, as as the game sort of went on and, and played well in patches that game. You're never going to get 100% consistency, but. He's learning the game at the, at the very highest level, isn't he? A bit like Trent, you know, Trent came in and 
when he came in a few years ago. He, he had one or two ropey games, but but was able to get through, get through it and come out the other side. And you know, he's 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 as we said it as I said before. He's he's as far as I'm concerned, if not the best right back in the world, certainly one of them. So. Yeah, he's, he, there's going to be some harsh lessons along the way. You just you just hope that when those mistakes happen, that they don't cost Liverpool as they did the other day. You know, obviously, sort of didn't quite get tight enough to the the player, and and he scored the goal. Um, but you know, from from everything that I've been told about Nico Williams, he's got like a strong resolve and, and will. You know, and as I said, you know, Jamie Carragher won't thank me for mentioning it, but you know, he had ropey moments early on in his Liverpool career, and, and I had to over, overcome them. And that that you know, it's it's just as much about men- mental strength as, as as it is about ability playing for Liverpool because the you know the focus is just constantly on you every single kick of the ball that you you make. So on Nico, Jurgen Klopp has full trust in him as as the number one backup for Trent this season, James. Oh, 100%, yeah. And I think Nico earned that with his, his performances um, when, he, when, he, when he got his opportunities in the first team last season. Um, I, I, some of the criticism around him on the weekend was just absolutely ridiculous. You know, you'd, have, you'd have thought he'd, he'd actually you know, passed it to Aubameyang two yards out the way that some people were going on. I mean, it, was, it was an unbelievably good finish. And when you watch it back... You know, I think, and I'm sure, I don't know if Klopp's actually talked about it, but I think he would be a lot more upset with the lack of cover on that side and the the the, the, the lack of kind of, you know, it certainly wasn't just down to Nico not getting tight enough to Aubameyang. It was, you know, he, he had another Arsenal player herring down the outside that I think that obviously made him in two minds whether to get tight to Aubameyang or to track that runner. So... Um, it was a collective issue, you know. Arsenal have been able to play out from the back and beat the press far too easily. Um, yeah, I really like Nico Williams, and yeah, there's there's no concerns there. As Simon said, you know, he's he's a young kid learning his trade. You know, it it would be ridiculous to think that he's not gonna make any errors or isn't gonna be found wanting at times, especially against someone of uh, an attacker of that caliber. Um, so no, no worries at all about Nico Williams. He um, He's a he's a huge talent, and, I, and I've got no doubt we'll see a lot more of him in the in the first team this season. Yeah, totally agree. You don't get any time to breathe, do you, as a, f- a young footballer, especially in the Premier League? Let's go to um, some of the positives, and there were some in the in the second half, particularly the performance of Takumi Minamino. Um, he's been a bit of a slow burner. Yeah, well, I, I, it reminds me, you know, of, of the sort of the second half performance that he had at Anfield for for Red Bull Salzburg when he, he was outstanding. I mean, he, he's sort of he's a subtle influence on the game, isn't he? Um, you know, you, you're not you're not going to see a sort of a blockbuster shot from thirty yards. He, he sort of twists and turns and creates space for other players, and that, that that's why I think you know Klopp quite fancies him in that that role. Um, I've mentioned it before. You know, instead of when Firmino can't sort of play the number nine role. I think he might suit playing there in the future because he's sort of he's good at getting his back into the goal and sort of turning, creating space for other players. And you saw a little moment of that, uh, I thought, the other day. So, yeah, encouraging signs from him because I, I feel that, you know, after after lockdown and some of the games, he obviously came in against Everton. I don't, I don't think he's got the pace to play in a wide area for Liverpool, but, you know, in the centre, trying to pick up space in tight areas, I think he, he that's where his sort of skill set is. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how, how Klopp used him this season because I think it's either going to be, for me anyway, it makes sense to, you know, if Firmino is sort of not, not quite quite at it to, to, to put him there or a bit further back the pitch, you know, in, in, if, if Liverpool ever use a diamond in midfield. But he... Um, 
Yeah, I thought he, he finishes he finishes goal off well as well. So it should give him a, a massive injection of confidence, I would imagine, because you know he's been looking to sort of uh, to have a, a more of a defining impact on on games. And you know when when you score goals, it just gives you that bit bit more validation and, and confidence. I, I think that's the big word for him, confidence. And uh, I think it was Virgil van Dijk that he sort of come out of himself a bit more, perhaps behind the scenes in in the dressing room. It's his first Liverpool goal there. And you sort of think that Jurgen Klopp needs him to make a big impact this season, James? And I think I think it was towards the back end of last season when Klopp was talking about how you know he he envisaged this being a relatively quiet summer transfer window for Liverpool because of the the financial impact of the pandemic. Um, he, he talked about three or four players already in the squad who he said had big steps. I think was his phrase. You know, still to still to take. And there's no doubt that Minamino was was one of those. You know, it was. Obviously, brilliant for him to, to to win the Premier League title in you know within a few months of becoming a Liverpool player. But he, you know, he, the reality is he didn't really contribute towards that triumph. You know, there was I think there was a video doing the rounds after the trophy presentation where he was he was what you know really on the fringes of that podium. And it was I think it was Jordan Henderson in the end who had to kind of encourage him to come into the middle and get his hands on the trophy and be a part of it. Because I think you know, probably in his head, he was thinking, you know, there's so many other people who deserve this moment more than me. And he is, he is, you know, quite a shy, quiet guy. But as Van Dijk said, he has come out of his shell. I think, you know, he's, he used the, the lockdown wisely to, to, to really improve his English. And certainly on the training field, the feedback from the staff has been that he, he is now a lot more kind of, at ease with what's expected of him, not only on the ball but but off the ball as well. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be seeing a lot more of Minamino in this this season, and you know, it's, it's very similar what's happened with him to the way Klopp handled you know Oxley Chamberlain, Robertson, Fabino. You know, it's it, you know unless you're completely you know you know exactly what's expected of you, then you know Klopp tends to you know not put you in the firing line and, and work with you on the training field until you are at ease and um you know I'm really looking forward to seeing how Minamino kicks on this season. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it, how he does. Um let's go to Naby Keita. Uh another player who changed things right you mentioned it before Sai, but you, you know when he came on a lot more dimension to the Liverpool play, a lot more creativity and again one of those in the three or four that James mentioned who presumably should be making a much bigger case for himself in this campaign. Definitely. Um, I mean, he's a player that certainly divides opinion, I think, in the sense that I don't think you have many people who are saying, you know, he's not good enough, but you have a lot of people who say he firmly is good enough and should be playing more games. Um, But I do think he's got a sort of... Win the, win the confidence of the manager that he can go and and play a regular run of games, because I'm still not sure... Yes, whether you know is 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 he's got he's got the body to play in a, in a Klopp team regularly. Um, it's it's all for him to prove. Obviously, um, clearly got the ability because you know there, there were moments there on on Saturday um, when I, I sort of thought back to the first sort of few games when he played for Liverpool. I remember they beat West Ham in the in, in, in on his debut at Anfield, and he sort of. Um, just, just, just sort of floats past players, doesn't he? He's got that sort of grace that I don't think other, other Liverpool midfielders have. You know, he's got a, a lovely weight of pass as well, which um, you know, little short range passes that can bring the sort of the wide players into the game and, and help Firmino as well. So, 
he's clearly there's a player there. I just hope that he's he's got that that sort of he's robust enough to play regular number of games for Klopp because he could be you know a really defining influence in the team. I think because he does offer something totally different that, that that they don't have and. I think as well, you know, he does he does a decent job defensively, a better job than people actually think. Sometimes it's just getting him on the pitch and getting him playing regularly. Um, if if he can do that, you know, I mean, it's it's uh, I know it's taken two seasons, but it, I, I do really think it's a big season for him because he, he, I don't think he can really afford to have a third season where he's in and out the team and 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 sort of not really making a a real impact on it. Um, you know, it's going to be tough for him because the, I mean, wrote about it last week. The competition for places in that area is massive. I think um, you know he's going to have to really start, you know, sort of doing things at the top end of the pitch to really to to, to put himself in contention to to play a bit more regularly. So, what what is the acceptable time frame, James, when you sign a player for that sort of money, um, and they're meant to play a big role within the side? It's obviously taken quite a while for Naby. Yeah, and that's that's why I think this season is. You know, is absolutely massive for him. I think, um, you know, he hasn't he hasn't made anything like the impact at Liverpool that we all hoped and expected he would do. I think, um, you know, there was there was such a such a kind of a buzz and expectation around him when Liverpool signed him, and you know, of course, all of that was fueled as well by you know the twelve month wait and. Um, and you know, he absolutely lit up the Bundesliga the the uh, the season before Liverpool did that deal and. Um, you know, and, and, you know, I think it's fair to say that still he is the one kind of major signing of of Klopp's reign that you know ha- hasn't truly given Liverpool you know a, a big return on that investment yet. Um, but I, I really like him. I think there's definitely you know there, there's so many mitigating circumstances. I think behind you know he you know Simon mentioned the word robust there, and you know that's that's what we really need to see from him this this season. You know he. It's been so stop start for him, you know. You, you know, how many times have you know we you know, we, we kind of talked about you know now now we're seeing the real Naby Keita, and then you know he'll pick up a knock or he'll get an illness or whatever, and you don't see him in a Liverpool shirt for two three weeks, and then inevitably whoever comes in does well, and he and he's back as a as a bench warmer when he is fit again. So um, I I really hope he can he can stay fit and. And, and and show show us what what he is capable of because you know, you, again Wembley was the perfect example of him giving Liverpool's midfield a, a completely different dimension. You know, it was suddenly they had someone in that department with the ability to skip past a player and 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 just you know suddenly they had that creative spark that had been been lacking for the previous hour. This is the Red Agenda on The Athletic. And right now we're offering listeners uh, to the show the opportunity to try out The Athletic for free. Uh, enjoy all of the writing on the Reds, including uh, James's piece on the Community Shield um, this week. There's a good Q&A on there as well from a lot of the readers uh, putting their thoughts down as to perhaps why Liverpool didn't perform to their, their full levels. But uh, James's piece excellent as well. He's asking if the club can kick on without investment this season. So head to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. Sign up to a 30-day free trial. That's theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. Um, just to draw a line under the community show, we, we need to mention Rian Brewster. Um, losing on penalties is tough, particularly if you're that young guy who's brought on with well, virtually no time to get used to the game. You haven't kicked the ball. Um, we've seen situations before where players are brought on specifically for a penalty. It must be tough. I mean, look, even if you're brought on and you score the penalty side, but 
if you're young and you're brought on, you miss the penalty and you do cost your club that bit of silverware. Look, I know it's the community shield, but in his head, it's quite a big mental challenge that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think, first of all, I mean, he should take a fair bit of confidence that the club had the belief that he, he could throw him into that situation. Um, you know, he's had, he's had a bit of a mad mad six months, really, hasn't he? You know, being at Liverpool, going to Swansea, having a huge impact on their season. I mean, he, I don't think they'd have reached the playoffs if it, if it wasn't for his goals. I mean, he's, he's had an in, incredible loan spell there, proving that he can play in the championship. I, I, I don't think... You know, there's been a bit of a talk about what what happens next. Does he go out on loan again? Or, I mean, I don't think there'll be much value in sending him to the championship again because he's proven that he can play at that level quite easily, really. In a team that was sort of mid-table when he was there, got them into the playoffs, a little bit unlucky in the, in the playoffs not to get to the final. Um, you know, a total handful for them. You know, I suppose it might check his confidence a little bit, which which sometimes, you know, it might not be a bad thing for him in in some ways, you know, because it'll bring him back down to earth a little bit with a thud because he, he's obviously everything's just gone right for him for the last six months. Um, I'm sure Jürgen Klopp will be working on his head just to make sure that he's okay. But, uh, you know, you see Rian Brewster on one hand doing that. You see Curtis Jones, who, I mean, I, that, that was the moment of the match for me. You know, clearly the... The, yeah. the, the Arsenal goalie was was trying to wind him up and tell him what he was going to do, and Jones put him in his place and then gave him a load of verbals back. I mean, I just thought that was brilliant. It's a great penalty as well. So, you know, that, that that's that's a plus. You know, that I, I would say out of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens with Brewster because he's clearly, you know, the the, the goal scorer that, that Liverpool fans like. You know, he, some of the goals he scored against Salzburg in the week, you could just tell. You know, he's got that. That poacher's instinct, you know, he's got the, I think he increased physique, haven't played in the championship. I think if you can play physically in the championship, you can more than manage the, the physical aspects of the Premier League because, you know, there's fewer games in the Premier League. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure he'd be able to handle it. It's just what happens next for him, it's going, it's going to be interesting because I th- speaking to, I think I mentioned it on the pod last week, but, you know, the, whether he's going to, go out on loan to a Premier League club and where he goes, I think is crucial that they, they, they choose the right place because, you know, we've seen some players go out to Premier League clubs and they get embroiled in a relegation battle and then they find that, you know, that they're not in the team because they, they sort of want to rely on the, the more experienced players. But who knows, he, he, might, he, might, he, might, he might feature a bit more often for Liverpool this season. I think the reading, reading James's piece, he might be able to tell me a bit more because I was off at the end of last week, but... You know, it's, it seems like they're still a little bit undecided about what, what to do with them. James, any ideas? Yeah, I, th- I think it's a genuine dilemma for Klopp. Not not surprisingly, they're in excess of, I think it's up to about a dozen now, clubs who have registered their interest about a potential loan, um, you know, seven or eight in the in the Premier League and, and then three or four in the, the top end of uh, the, the teams in the Championship. And yeah, Liverpool have been in no rush to make a decision, I think. When I spoke to people there the back end of the last week, they, they said that he was always going to be part of the squad for the Community Shield. Then, you know, he's, he's gone away with England and the 21s this week. And then when he returns, I think they're all going to sit round around the table and, and, and thrash out what they think is is best for his development. Because I know, you know, a lot of fans would probably say, well, you know, just keep him, you know, have it, you know, he'd be a decent option off the bench. And, you know, and to a certain degree, I'd go along with that. I think you could you could make a strong argument that, He's probably more likely to impact a game than than Divock Origi. You know, I think he certainly you know jumped ahead of him in the pecking order when you look at some of the caliber of his finishes in the, the first couple of the preseason friendlies. But um, 
I, th- I think the danger would be that because we all know just how important Roberto Firmino is to this Liverpool team and we spoke before about Minamino and how he's clearly much more suited to playing centrally than out wide is you don't want a situation where you keep Rian Brewster around and he effectively you know only features in the domestic cups I think that then that almost like stunts his development so you know is he better is he going to benefit more and benefit Liverpool more by by being a, a, around the squad or does Klopp look at the longer term and actually say, do you know what? If if he could go and play, at, you know, a mid-table Premier League club, you know, I think Villa, Sheffield United, two teams like that that are very, you know, amongst the the hordes of clubs keen on him. You know, if, if you know if he was to go and play every week for them, would would that actually benefit him and benefit Liverpool more um, in the in the longer term? So I think that would become a lot clearer in the in the next week or so. And, and on Origi, he's been absent for the uh, the preseason fixtures. He's got a, a slight knock, has he? Yeah, he's injured. Yeah, I when I when I checked up on that last week, I was told both him and Shakiri have had fitness issues. I know Origi was you know deemed not fit enough as well by by Belgium to be part of their squad this week. So um, yeah, I know. I think I think when when obviously players who have been speculation about their future are, are absent from friendlies, it's you know it's some obviously will jump to conclusions that he's about to go out the door. But Liverpool. Um, yeah, Adam. At, the, at this stage, that uh, no, Origi's absence from the friendly so far has been down to fitness and not due to not due to anything else. Right, you're listening to the Red Agenda with Simon Hughes, James Pearce, myself, Steve Hoversall. Wouldn't it be great if every clothing store you shopped at had only your size, the styles you like, and everything at the price you want? Well, Stitch Fix is a company focused on doing that. It's an online personal styling company that makes getting the clothes you love simple. It's completely different in the way that you shop. It's all about you. Uh, to get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk slash agenda, set up your profile, and they'll deliver great looks personalised just for you. You pay a £10 styling fee for each fix, which is credited towards anything you keep. Schedule at any time with no subscription delivery and returns completely free and easy. Uh, you can always send back items that aren't right for you. Get started with Stitch Fix today and go to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash agenda right now. Make sure you use our show name to support our podcast. That's stitchfix.co.uk forward slash agenda. Make sure you put the agenda on there. So last season, Liverpool didn't invest ahead of the season. Things worked out perfectly. (laughs) But is it a different scenario, Si, that they're going to face this time round? We're getting awfully close to the start of the season. Yeah, I mean, obviously this season is going to be different. I mean, I, I... I wrote about it last week, and you know I, I don't think being champions makes them any more of a target. Really, I think Liverpool have been a a target for a number of years now. You know they've obviously had two Champions League appearances. You know they've been getting better every year. You know the the, the sort of the challenge in that sense doesn't you know doesn't become any different really because I think you know they, they've they've had a unbeaten home record in the league for such a long period of time. You know I think that that sort of makes it. Very, very hard, obviously, mentally for teams to, to sort of come to Anfield and think that they're going to get a result. Um, but obviously this this season, I think the fact that Liverpool won't have the crowd at Anfield, the fact that there won't be any crowds for the foreseeable future in any grounds, I think that, that, cha- that does change subtly the pattern of football because I've touched on it earlier in the show and last week that, you know, players aren't going to be feeling the pressure of you know the, the the teams that they play for from the crowd from the terraces we saw it uh, the first game 
back, you know, at Goodison Park, where all right, Everton for the last few seasons at, at Goodison have been quite defensive, I think, but not not to that extent where, you know, they, they sort of just sat in and, and, and took a draw and, and, and then, you know, took could have could have scored a couple of goals on the break, let, let, let's be honest. But I think that in, in normal circumstances, in a full crowd, you know, playing that way, it leads to a certain amount of tension. So that means, from Liverpool's point of view, I think that the game does become different. It means that they're going to they're going to have to probably do a bit more um, in an attacking sense with the ball, you know, from from the midfield areas particularly, to try and just change the angles of the play and, and put more pressure on other teams. So that, I think that ties into the whole conversation about. Tiago and why you know it's quite clear that somebody like him or you're looking for Cater again this is why Cater I think has probably got to step up and really influence the, these sorts of games because um, you know I remember the Manchester United away game last season I think when he came on you know, I know there was there was a big a lot of talk that day about Adam Lallana and the impact that he had when he when he scored the goal but Man United I've never seen a team play so defensively against Liverpool it was it was incredible and it's going to be more of that this season more teams are going to try and do it. Um, and possibly have a little bit more success with it because of the environment. So on that night, you know, at Old Trafford, I thought Kate came on and just quickened Liverpool's play up, you know, a bit tighter, a bit sharper, and quickly, the, you know, suddenly Liverpool started creating chances. So I think that that is something that they do need to think about. Um, I'm sure they, they are thinking about, and it contributes to why, you know, somebody, somebody like Thiago, who's obviously a world-class player, who, who can speed up the play, who can open up little pockets of space, um, why he's he's on the radar. Not a week goes by without our Tiago analysis. <laughs> Let's do it again. Klopp's obviously a big admirer, isn't he, James? Um, doesn't really fit the, the transfer strategy bill in terms of age, stage of career. Um, and it's the, it's the big stumbling block in all this, that Klopp just wants to keep his group of players happy. And if he can't keep a player like Tiago happy, then the, the, the group as a whole doesn't feel that happiness. And whilst... The likes of Gino Wijnaldum still there. That there, there simply isn't a gap to put him into. Yeah, I, th- I think that that last point's the the, the, the key one probably. Is, as, you know, I think um, we we know that in general, Klopp. You know, he's he's never been one for kind of stockpiling players. He he likes to operate with a a relatively small squad because you know I remember when I did the the sit down chat with him in his office at Melwood probably midway through last season. He talked about you know you want every single player on that training field being hungry and believing they've got a chance of, of forcing their way into your plans for the weekend. And so I think, I think that's, you know, the, the, the Tiago one just, just rumbles on and on, doesn't it? And I think, you know, you know people say, you know, is there interest? Of course there's interest, you know, he's a, he, and I think he's, he's such a, an elite performer that I, I, I think, you know, in normal circumstances, Liverpool would rip up their, you know, or go against what, you know, their usual, you know, he, he might, it might not be their usual way to, to spend money on a 29-year-old, um, you know, who's, you know, that kind of money for a player who's a free agent next summer. But I think he's that good that, you know, if, if they hadn't had the financial impact to COVID, um, then then I, th- I think it becomes more straightforward. But um, yeah, certainly at the moment, the, the, the word has been that it's only likely to, to, to happen in terms of firming up that interest. If, if a vacancy... You know, opened up in that in that central midfield department, and, and clearly the most obvious one would be Genie Wijnaldum. I think those situations are, are clearly linked because you know Wijnaldum's obviously um, couldn't agree a new deal last season. Uh, there's no active talks at the moment. Um, he hasn't done anything to push for a move so far. Liverpool aren't actively looking to sell Wijnaldum, but you know it's you, you've then got obviously the the Cumin factor with him taking over at Barcelona. We know how close. 
Kuman and Wijnaldumar. So, you know, it, will we see a situation in the coming days and weeks where Barcelona then firm up their interest in, in Wijnaldum? Liverpool get the kind of offer for him, which is just too good to turn down for a player that could leave for nothing next summer. And then, and then you've got someone of the calibre of Thiago, who we know is keen on moving to Liverpool. Um, but I'm just not sure that we'll see a scenario where where Thiago comes in without anyone anyone going out the other way. And I, and I think the other thing at the moment is by this stage of the window, Liverpool would have expected to have generated a lot more money in sales. Like I, you, you know, I think I wrote probably about a month, six weeks ago now about you know 20 million price tags on the heads of you know Harry Wilson, Marco Gruich, Zerdin Shakiri. Um, you know, as it as it as it is, they've only had loan offers for those players, so which Liverpool have firmly rebutted because you know they're not in the, they're not interested in loaning those players out at the moment. So you know, you're talking about potentially what Liverpool would have hoped sixty million quid there, um, which that hasn't been forthcoming, and I think that's why we've got a situation where, um, as things stand, effectively Liverpool have have sold Lovren and and used that money to. To, to sign Simicus the you know as a as a backup left back but um I think the, the interesting thing for me is you know having having looked at Liverpool in pre season and down at Wembley and you know you look at the options off the bench and you know, I think you know although I'd absolutely love Liverpool to sign someone like Thiago I think you know, certainly two bigger priorities for me are another centre half because I, I just don't see how Liverpool can go into the season with just three specialist senior to have and especially as you know one of the three is Joel Matip who's um with his with his injury record and and then also a left-sided attacker you know there's such a big responsibility on on Sadio Mane's shoulders you know heaven forbid anything happened to him and he picked up a bad injury you know I, I think a centre-back and a left-sided attacker have got to be the two biggest priorities in my book yeah uh, Lovren made what 15 appearances last season so clearly need for a replacement um, a thought from you, Sion, Gini Wijnaldum. The situation is dragging. Is it? Does this become awkward for the club, Liverpool? It, it doesn't. Well, you know, I, I think it's only become awkward for the club if the player, you know, started um, causing problems. Which I don't think has ever been the case. Wijnaldum's a really good professional who, um, mm. you know, you hear nothing but positive things. You know, very respected amongst the dressing room. I mean, in a financial sense, in actually planning sense. Oh, from, from oh well, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I do think here it's important to discuss this because you know Liverpool pride themselves on on sort of how they trade and 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 you know the, the business model that Liverpool have uh, means that you know what what they sell they put back into the club. But they've obviously got to sell well to make sure that they've got the money to to, to be able to buy. So obviously they've already lost one player in the last couple of years, Emre Chan, who went for nothing, whose market value in normal circumstances, maybe in the summer of 2018, would have been double, if not treble, what they paid for him um, four years earlier. But he obviously ends up getting nothing for him. Spent 40 million to replace him on, on Fabinho. So obviously that, I wonder if Liverpool have the time again, whether they would have cashed in on him the summer before, if the, if the offers were there. I'm not, I'm not sure whether they were, but... Obviously, they don't really want a repeat of that happening because, you know, you can't really afford to let players leave for nothing because it leaves you with a shortfall of what you can spend on on new signings and replacements uh, and puts a lot of pressure on you. So I'm, I, I I think you've got to be careful of that happening again. Um, you know, from from what I've been told, that obviously the, the, the sort of the player, it's a tricky age to be, to be negotiating for. He's 29. 
from what I was told, that the, the player wanted four years. Um, I think that the contract that he's been offered is, is a bit shorter than that. Um, you know, and, and obviously a deal which reflects his status at the club and in the dressing room is seniority. He's, he's a he's the fourth captain of Liverpool, which I think is a significant issue. You know, that Klopp decided to to put this you know this hierarchy in, which I think is a good idea. But equally, uh, there's attached problems with that further down the line because clearly that that that's. Um, you know, if a player knows or if a player agent knows that a player is sort of that highly thought of in the dressing room and, and in the team and plays every week, then it, it adds value to contract negotiations. So there's been an impasse there for, for quite a long period of time really now. And, uh, you know, Liverpool have got, have allowed that to, to happen and, and, and go into, you know, his last year of his contract. So... Yeah, I mean, I'd be surprised if they allowed that to happen again. I just think it doesn't seem to add up to to sort of the message that they the club puts out that the, you know that the, everything is about trading, trading successfully. They can't really afford to allow a player, you know, at the age of twenty nine, thirty, leave for nothing. So, if there's a possibility there where you know there is an offer where whereby Barcelona are able to sign him and they can put that money straight back into signing an able replacement for a similar fee, then. It does seem to make sense in a lot of levels, but I I, I think you know uh, the reaction to it's been a bit bit disappointing in many ways because I, th- I think that Wayne Aldum's a fabulous footballer, very underrated, does an absolutely brilliant job for Liverpool. He's been a great sign, and I'd be I'd be really disappointed to see him go because I think he's he's a top class player. You know, one of, one of the one of the top players in the world who whose role and, and responsibilities aren't always the most obvious. Um, so to lose him, for me, would be a blow, but I do appreciate that, you know, if, if they, they were able to replace him with a player of Thiago's calibre, then I think I think that would... Um, that would that would be a good move. <laughs> so the the link is obviously with Ronald Koeman's Barcelona. It'll be on Koeman's important list, but actually the the top of Koeman's important list is is Messi, isn't it? And sorting out the situation then. And Manchester City are, are the favourites, James, to to get Messi's signature them or Paris Saint Germain. We'd all love to see him in the Premier League, wouldn't we? But what difference would he actually make in terms of City's title challenge next season? I, I'm a I'm a bit torn on this one really because on the one hand you think to yourself, you know, do you, do you really want arguably the greatest player who's ever played the game strengthening Liverpool's arch rivals for the title this season? But then the other side of me would absolutely love to see Lionel Messi in the Premier League, and and I think it would just be fascinating to see how he did get on, you know, because I think you know, he's such an unbelievable talent. Yet, you know, I think like most, I, I just expected him to see out the rest of his his days at, at Barcelona and then potentially maybe have a, a swan song mid to late thirties in, in it back home in Argentina for Newell's old boys. And so it, I, I never thought this situation would, would, would ever, <laughs> would ever come up. And it, it would, you know, it would be fascinating because there's, there's so much at Barcelona that has been built around him, hasn't it? And, you know, how would, you know, would, would, I, don't, I, I can't imagine a situation where Pep almost completely changes the, his blueprint, you know, to, um, to, you know, to 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 suit Messi, and you know, but is Messi really going to be, you know, chasing down, you know, fullbacks in the 88th minute or whatever, and 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 tracking back and and doing things that we're not used to watching him do when he's played for Barcelona? So it's, I mean, it's it, it's all it's all pr- pretty up in the air, isn't it? At the moment, like reading the latest on it today, and um, you know, clearly Messi still thinks that he should be allowed to go for nothing. You know, Barcelona are adamant that what was it, six hundred, seven hundred million, or something ridiculous, is the 
that they're they're sticking to is the is the buyout clause that if if City are going to get him, um, you know, I know La Liga sided with Barcelona, didn't they, over the over the weekend? So um, yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see how that how that pans out. I think you know if if you if even even if the numbers are right in terms of the wages, you know, if was it ninety million quid a year or something? I think if if you could possibly get him for, for you know for nothing or even a, a hundred million, I think to spend two hundred million on wages for Messi for two years would you know, you'd have to say that would be a shrewd investment. Probably you know you'd probably get that back just in terms of the the commercial benefits of having him. <laughs> yeah. So um, so yeah, it's. You know, it's it's going to run and run though that story, isn't it? Because you know, it doesn't look like there's going to be any um, swift, you know, reconciliation or compromise. It's interesting how you question whether he fits the football bill for for Manchester City. For, for example, he probably wouldn't fit the football bill for Liverpool, would he say? Uh, no, I don't think he would. To be honest, um, I mean, I, I, I think there's a perception with Messi that he's not a particularly hard worker. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that. Actually, I mean, I think that. You know, he hasn't had to chase back after balls, really, because it's just because of the amount of possession that Barcelona have, you know, really, you know, and and it's been easy for him in that sense. The whole team has been built around his strengths um, for such a long period of time. And watching him over the last sort of 12 months, it's it, um, it reminded me a lot watching Barcelona. So when you watch Argentina and, you know, they haven't quite got the players around them that they used to have or that they really need to make him... Uh, as effective as he can be because I mean I, I remember still remember very clearly the night obviously Liverpool went to the new Camp um, about 15 months ago and I mean I, I'd never seen Messi play live before um, you know seen him on the TV and you sort of have an expectation of him being good but honestly I mean, it, it was just an absolutely incredible performance. I know everybody's obviously, most people listen to this have, have seen it, but particularly live when you see the, the energy in him and the strength, you know, he's such a, you talk about that word, robust before. I think he'd definitely be able to deal with that in the Premier League. I remember James Milner giving him a bit of a kick in, you know, several times and he relished that, you know, just just sort of went straight back at him. And um, I think that'd be fascinating to see that because, he, you know, I think, Physically, I think that the, the, the English the Premier League is, is obviously a lot more demanding than the, the Spanish League and he'd probably have a bit more of that week in, week out. But um, I think he'd be able to deal with it. Uh, I think the only question mark is what sort of what it means for all the other players that City have, you know, in that, that attacking area. I mean, I don't, I don't really know how you can put Bernardo Silva, who for me, I, I, I love watching him play, you know, Silva, Sterling, Aguero... Mares, Gabriel Jesus, all those players, you know, I've only mentioned a few of them. Even, you know, what does it mean for Phil Foden? I'm sure Foden will relish playing with, with Messi. Um, and even if it's for only uh, for a couple of seasons, and it will obviously help him as a player. But he, I think he does need more games, really. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a bit torn about it, like James, really. I mean, I'd love to see him play more regularly. Just a shame that, obviously... Might not be able to see him in the in the in the mix of of, of a big crowd as well because I think you know um, Adam Fields when Liverpool uh, tore Barcelona to pieces you know obviously that the week after the game that I mentioned before um, I think he was actually quite surprised you know by by sort of the reaction of Anfield and the hostility towards him you know the actual you know there was Anfield sort of reacts like that you know to to top quality players when they come you know, from other countries and they haven't seen him before. They, they obviously respect him, but they give him hell. And, you know, uh, Messi was the, the focal point for that 
that that night and I'd, I'd love to see that again how he deals with that you know like sort of crowds being on, on his back and trying to put him off um, because that, that's obviously a big part of the game you know sort of the mental strength and being able to to not to not sort of get involved on that side of it but yeah potentially it could be an amazing move I just hope City don't do it to be honest the more I talk about it <laughs> just terrifies me <laughs> talk yourself out of it this is the Red yeah. Agenda on The Athletic thanks to our good pals at beer52.com uh, you got the opportunity to sip eight delicious painstakingly sourced craft beers from all over the world all you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash athletic and pay the postage of £4.95 uh, if that wasn't enough as a listener you get two extra free beers so 10 free beers beer 52 they're beer pioneers they go around the globe find the best and most interesting beer from the very best craft breweries and they're now the world's most popular craft beer discovery club uh, the beauty of beer 52 is you can leave at any time the power's in your own hands they deliver your beers straight to your door don't even need to leave the house. And you also get a copy of the award-winning craft beer magazine, Ferment, so you can stock up on your beer knowledge. You get a beery snack as well. That's thrown in. Head to www.beer52.com forward slash athletic. Get your free case. And don't forget, right now, listeners get two extra free beers. Uh, just on the messy conversation, I'm a bit of a football romantic and with, with the number of foreign players in the league now, there's not many players that I would make a date to always watch, James. So if I thought of those romantic transfers that I, I had to make a date to watch, I'm going a long way back. I'm going to Janino and, and Ravinelli, which absolutely captured my imagination. Are there any players these days that when they sign for the Premier League, you just have to watch them? Or is it is it only your Messies and your Neymars that make that difference now? Yeah, I think because because we've become so used, haven't we, to the with you know there's been such riches in the Premier League that the you know we have been spoiled in the, the the Premier League era with with so many elite players from all around the world coming here to play. So I think you know it is you know there is a very small bracket, isn't there? Of of, of of players like him that you you know you just as I said before you just thought you, you this it would never happen that he would he would stay at Barcelona for for good until you know he was effectively finished at the absolute highest level so um yeah his if, if it does happen you know it would it would create the kind of buzz that you know, I, don't, I don't even I can't think how how far you'd have to go back to 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 to, to, to you know I, I can't even think of something that that would that would could be comparable to it because he is no, no there's, there's nothing because you know he is we're talking about like someone who you know, people mentioned in the same breath as Pele and Diego Maradona um so no it would it would it would be it would be an incredible story and like you know the the he would be compulsive viewing every single week wouldn't it because you know you'd you know he'd be going to grounds and playing at places that you just you just thought that it would never, never, ever happen. So, um, yeah, it's 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 just going to be really interesting to see how that pans out and whether whether City can make the numbers work. I think um, if if they do make the numbers work, it's probably likely to uh, fuel a lot more talk about FFP and um, <laughs> whether whether that's uh, still worth the the paper it's written down on those rules. Right, uh, season's not that far off and uh, many of the players heading off on international duty. You wait for Nations League, so that won't please the managers. Uh, are we expecting any more pre-season games, Si? Is, is there anything on the horizon? If there is, there'll be 12 first-teamers away. Yeah, I, don't, I, I haven't inquired, I'll be honest. They're gonna, yeah, they're going to have one. They're going to have at least one more. They're oh. going to... I think they're, they're in... Yeah, they're in discussions about a... Uh, 
a game at Anfield next, well, this coming weekend now. So um, because because you know, although it's the international break, um, he's actually st- he's still got quite a few players around. And obviously, there's you know European games, but um, you know, I think certainly I don't think there's any African or South American um, qual- qualifiers this time around due to obviously the the issues with COVID. So um, yeah, he's got still got a decent decent number of players to work with. So where in previous international breaks traditionally he would have given the non-international players the first week off and then started again next week um it's different this time around so i think yeah we'll see liverpool play a friendly at anfield um probably likely to be saturday i think okay uh what's your space on that one uh next week on the red agenda we'll have a look at day one of the season of course liverpool against leeds fantastic fixture fixture um great rivalry great rivalry which stretches back to what 1965 in the cup final uh, and memorable moments between the two. So it's it's a lovely opener, isn't it, Si? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of leads. I mean, I, you just mentioned before about the sort of intrigue, you know, in the Premier League and getting excited about sort of seeing new faces. I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited about seeing how Bielsa fares in the Premier League. I think Leeds will do well this season. You know, I mentioned before about how you know, the championship is a, is a major test of endurance and physicality. I think Leeds will be more than able to deal with that, considering, you know, what he demands from his players, which is similar similar to Klopp, really, in terms of, you know, the, the intensity with which they train and, and play, you know. So I, he's, he's box office for me, Bielsa. I think people are going to be drawn to him and, and, and fascinated by him. I know he's been in England for a couple of seasons, but the profile of the Premier League is, is, is much greater um, and the regularity with which... Leeds are going to be on TV is is, is going to be uh, more I, I would think so. Um, it's a really going to be a really interesting game. You know, I know like obviously last season Liverpool sort of swatted Norwich aside after Norwich had come up from the Championship and done so well uh, in a more I think I can't I can't remember the points tallies exactly, but I think Norwich were a bit more comfortable in Leeds throughout the course of the season. But I think this is a totally different challenge. Uh, it's going to be a bit tougher as well. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I, I, I can't wait to see like how they do this season because I, I sort of grew up with Leeds always being in the Premier League. Uh, got got a few mates who, who are Leeds fans as well who have been absolutely desperate for this moment and they, they play really exciting, attacking, aggressive football, which I think it's going to be interesting to con, con, to, to compare it against Liverpool. Uh, they, they, they've they've gone big, you know, in the transfer markets as well. The last last week or so signs two very experienced players who you'd expect to come into the team and do do well straight away. So going to be a tough game. Interesting one for James Milner as well, of course, who we've spoken about before. I think he needs to, you know, he'll be, he'll be desperate to play in that one. Um, obviously, if he plays, I suspect it'd be the same Liverpool midfield started against Arsenal, whether whether Klopp will take the courage from that, I'm, I'm not quite sure yet. Certainly captures the imagination. We'll go into it in some detail next week, including what we expect to be uh, Liverpool starting eleven for that game. As always, my thanks to Simon Hughes and James Pierce. Loads of great articles by those two on The Athletic right now. We'll see you next week for another Red Agenda. 